0: Two profs in a Pod. I'm Tanisha. I'm Beth. And we are faculty members from Glendale Community College in Arizona. And we are so excited to be here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. Where We're actually going to be interviewing someone very special to us. So we're
1: really excited today. And also you might notice we're, I'm, maybe you can tell from the sound, we are recording via Zoom today because of... Yes. We're in the middle of a pandemic, so things have changed for how we need to conduct our episodes, but today we have with us Sophia O'Brien. Sophia is from Indiana originally and grew up kind of close to Chicago and has been teaching since 2007, so for about 13 years. She has taught high school and moved to uh, the community college in about 2013. She has a BA in English and an MA in English Studies and Communication from Valparaiso University. She's also an avid gamer with RPG and Western role-playing games and has done some online Harry Potter RPG forums. So, hi, Sophia. Hello. Hello.
2: Thanks for having me on today.
1: Hello. Of course. <laughs> One of the reasons we wanted to have Sophia on is because she just got a brand new residential job, and she got it during a pandemic. So, congratulations on your new residential faculty job, Sophia. Thank you. Thank you. What are you most excited about? Um, You know,
2: it's going to be different. I mean, I've been at GCC, which I love. I love GCC and I love everyone at GCC since we moved out here, but I'm excited to learn a little bit more about a new campus. Um, And so uh, Mesa is where I'll be at in um, the fall um, in August. And I'm excited. I'm getting to know, meeting more people and Maricopa, you know, community college district and um, engaging with sort of what the vibe and culture is at Mesa, because it's always a good idea to like just experience new things. So I'm super excited to do that. But I'll miss everyone at GCC, of course. And so I just got the official letter on Thursday. So and I accepted. So I don't know what
1: I'm teaching yet. <laughs> so, so we didn't ruin anything by just telling everybody.
2: No. Uh, uh, okay. okay. Good. <laughs> I, I got an unofficial call and it took a little bit. I got the official. But I, the official call and official. All right. Here's the thing: you need to go into HCM and uh, accept. And I did that on Thursday, Thursday afternoon. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> yes.
0: Thank you. Well, that's awesome. Sophia, you started the job hunt process pre-pandemic and ended it in the midst of the pandemic where we had to shelter in place, conduct business online, wear a mask, and basically decrease the size of our face-to-face social circles. So my question for you, uh, two of them, what was that job process like for you? And was there anything really positive you want to talk about?
2: Yeah, um... So the process was <laughs> really stressful, I won't lie, mostly because, okay, so right before we started, you, you all saw my my internet dropped out, right? Yeah. Like I lost, dis- completely disconnected. Like this was the, the, the trauma of like, it wasn't so much during the interview, but during the micro-teach process, like that part was terrifying. I guess I should explain I interviewed – I did a micro-teach at GCC, too, because Mesa did their micro-teach a little different. So um, what Mesa did was um, I had to record uh, sort of like what I would have done during the micro-teach and present it. So there was a little bit less stress for that one because – I, if I messed up, if I lost internet, like, or if anything went weird, um, because I use, like, Screenocast, um, and things like that, I could edit out, like, in fact, I had to edit out a phone call, because <laughs> I forgot to mute my phone, <laughs> and I have the Stranger Things theme, and so it's, like, do 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 and I'm like, ah! <laughs> so there's, like, this chop in the middle of it of me editing out that, phone call it was my aunt and I'm like I can't talk right now (laughs) Uh, so so that was that was you know different in GCC I had to do the micro teach via zoom which was also great but a little stressful because I was afraid that the internet was going to go wrong Um, so that process was just the internet stuff was stressful Um, but I will say the positive experiences is just like different conversations that I got to have um, with two different really uh great institutions like um i did make it to the final round i guess i got to talk with dr terry and scott and david and it was just a really fun great conversation and i was you know really happy just to have made it that far Um, and it was just really positive having a conversation with all three of them and then um at Mesa, that interview was more stressful <laughs> because I didn't know anyone in that interview. Um, and it, it was much, there was a lot of people in that one, in their administrative, uh, uh, the three three faculty members and then like two or three administration members. And um, that was a little stressful, uh, but it was still great to just get to talking and, you know, talking about, you know, things that we were wanting to do and what we were interested in. And so that was exciting. And both really positive in different ways. So. That's awesome. I don't know if
0: that was too rambling. <laughs> I'm No, not at all. I mean, you, you bring up some good points. And I think things that people need to consider now, especially in the times that we're living in. For example, the, the stress of not only doing the interview, but also, how is my technology going to hold up? Yeah. Um, what could happen? Do I have a plan if something happens? Like that—that—that's very stressful. Yeah, I had to keep the phone. I kept the
2: phone by me just in case I needed to call in really quickly. Um, and then the other thing is, I practiced with two uh, friends. Uh, shout out to Karen and Renee. <laughs> I practiced with them a lot with my microteach for GCC and with interviews, but I practiced via Google Meet. Right. So when we did the Zoom for GCC, there was a moment where, yeah, I had to put a link into the chat because it had to uh, tr- treat it like it was um, um like it was a live online class. Like I wanted the, my students to go to a genially that I had made made where they would rearrange something. Um, but I couldn't remember where the chat was in zoom because I was used to doing it in Google meet. And so there was a moment where I had to like make kind of a joke, like to like fill the (laughs) discomfort of me, like, where's the chat button? Why can't I remember? It's so easy. I know. And I'm like, because I'd practiced so much with Google meet and there was that, I mean, those minor things are all things that like all like make it kind of a pain. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think too, you're also kind of up things that our students have experienced, right? in this last okay. semester where even you know they they're having technology issues and and maybe not in an interview, but maybe if they're having to be in a class that's synchronous or something like that and their internet goes out or they lose a connection temporarily, you know, that can be kind of stressful. and they maybe they're worried about, being counted absent or you know Mm -hmm. something like that so I think that you know unfortunately the stress you had kind of demonstrates for our audience and everybody else that like yeah this happens to everybody yeah for sure well I was going to say it kind of brings us to our next question which I wanted to ask you because it's something that I've been contemplating adding like Mm -hmm you know when you consider making your syllabus for this fall um you know are are you thinking of putting any kind of pandemic type statement in your in your syllabus you know and and if so are you like are you simply trying to acknowledge the pandemic are you Mm -hmm. you know creating any kind of policy surrounding that like what are your thoughts about that so far
2: um i so what i did this since i taught a summer class um I didn't put a specific worded statement. I did talk about it in the video that I made when I inter- When I like inter- welcomed everyone to the class, and I think in the fall I will definitely do that. Put a definitive statement, and I feel like I wish I'd done that in the summer. I ended up having four students who came down with COVID um, towards the end. I. Tried to be really flexible, you know, to work with them because they were students who were working really hard and things like that. And I also so I want to specifically address that, you know, let them know that you can make up work or um, if, it's, if we get to like the end of the semester and you've done like 95% of the work and you get sick, we can figure out a way to make sure that you don't, you know, all of those different things to, to address um, how the different situations that crop up. I also had students who, you know, were working. Um, one of my students got promoted. Uh, during it, um, during the summer. And so she did take on a lot of hours because she's working in the healthcare field. And then I had a student who was taking care of a sick family member. And, and then, you know, so all those different, like, I feel like, um, I want people to understand that, you know, it's really hard like to be a student um, when, you're working and then you're caring for family members and then you're trying to do these classes and then maybe you didn't sign up for an online class normally but you have to now because there's nothing else you can do so all of those things like are one giant sort of uh stressor um you know and so to be flexible and empathetic um with students. And I think I definitely want to put that specifically in my statement as a policy and my syllabus versus something that I I talked about with my students via, you know, sort of like the video I made, because I did talk about those things. Um, In the spring, I had a student who had become the breadwinner um, for her family after all of her family members were laid off. Her mom and dad, she was the only one working. And that meant that her her ability to take part in the class was increasingly diminished. And so, learning about being flexible I mean, you certainly want to be like you want to keep the course work you know col- you know college level, but you also want to be mindful of what students are going through.
0: And that's really important. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that yeah is really helpful for our listeners to hear because we do have to consider these things. We have to consider how times have changed. So the policies that we had in the the past definitely need to, I I believe, be a little bit more flexible and adaptable to where our students are right now. I agree. (laughs) <laughs> so um, so this brings us to our next question. So it sounds like, uh, from what you've mentioned, one way you're going to be preparing for the semester is making sure you have something in your syllabus pertaining to, like for example, or acknowledgement of the pandemic. Um, so my question to you is, what are other ways you're actually preparing for the upcoming semester? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so one of the also ways I'm thinking of trying to um, find Different ways to could have students work on assignments. How can we be? Um, how can we bring um, culturally sustaining pedagogies um, in an online environment? You know, keeping mindful of also, you can't say go to this place because it may be not. It may be. It may not be safe or it may not be open for students to go and. Um, visit certain places or do certain things. And so I'm trying to be mindful of how do I get students to share their experiences um, in a way that is helpful in an English class, but also uh, supportive of those unique perspectives that they have um, and uh, one that they can share and bring to the course. So that's number one. And then finding a balance between using technology, um, where like I like to use a lot of like fun things in the classroom, like uh, for my one-on-one students in the past, I've had them do podcasts, um, or I've had them do a video essay. And before, I never really worried too much about. Well, at the very least, they could use the resources on campus, you know, things like that. Now I have to be mindful of when I create those assignments. How much work is it going to be for them to get to campus, right? Um, Because taking the bus, you know, things like that, those are all risks now. Um, And then where do they get, where will they have access to some of the programs that they need to work on these? They may not have them at home. Students may be working on the classroom on their phone, um, things like that. So they may not have a computer or, Things to consider uh, when designing course work around those different parameters.
1: Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good. It, answer. it really is, and I I can't help but think that you know we're that that. I don't know when when the worst of the pandemic is over. That our teaching, you know, will have changed. Right, that some of these things that we're doing where you're, you're making all these considerations, we should be making those considerations all the time. Yeah, right? for sure. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's great.
2: Yeah, and I was thinking about that too, like how many times in the class have I created an assignment that I thought was accessible, but really wasn't, and the students were just too nice to tell me not to say anything, you know? Like, I just wanna make sure that I'm really being student centered, um, as much as I possibly can. Um, and that's, that's one of the, the ways that I try to think about that.
1: What, what is something you wish you knew before you started teaching? Um,
2: well, this is a great question. And, um, I was thinking about this a lot and I go back to a convert on the first day. So I did reimagine. um, for a little bit before the COVID, and we couldn't um, we couldn't finish it. But one of the first days that we uh, met, um, we talked a lot about a failure, right? As an instructor, and I think about like all of the teachers that I had in the past, how I very much wanted to to be like them in some ways, like I'm because I thought about all of my favorite teachers. I'm like, they did this great thing. Right. And they and they made me feel this certain way and they helped me, um, you know, see They help facilitate, um, you know, my learning. So I wanted to try to to be that on some level. And in some cases it worked out and in some cases it did not. And so. What I had to learn um, was that first, you cannot be other people. You can only be yourself and be true to who you are so i'm a big nerd i'm gonna bring in pop culture i'm gonna bring in video games we're gonna make jokes about anime like in my classroom like um i also love literature like so i'm gonna make you know those are the things that are that's gonna be my class that's who i am at my core and the second thing as a recovering perfectionist um it's okay to mess up because you're going to horribly. (laughs) And I think for me, I was like, oh, I can't fail, I can't. And so I can't mess up, it's gotta be perfect. And so those early years were very much like me, like being a punching bag to myself. Like, um, and I still struggle. (laughs) It's a lifelong uh, recovery process, but um, I think learning that failure is an essential part of just living you're going to mess up and you're going to mess up as a teacher like you're going to and but i think the key is don't let it get you down too much and try to learn from that mistake and do better you know next time <laughs> and so that, that's something i wish i'd understood when i started teaching
1: Yeah, I don't think that all our listeners know what Reimagine is at Glendale College. Would you mind just kind of briefly describing what that what that program is? Yeah,
2: so Reimagine is a a program that um. That is facilitated by the wonderful CTLE uh, at GCC, um, and they, it's all about sort of looking at our courses and um, how, and getting us to re- to consider how can we use different um, learning. Um, learning strategies and things like that to reimagine or redesign or reinvigorate our course, to look at different perspectives, you know, different types of styles from problem-based learning, uh, thanks Tanisha, <laughs> uh, for that unit, to project-based learning, you know, to learning communities, all those different um, types and, and ways that we can, you um, you know, change and and, um, also just bring new uh, vision to our course. Um, And also, it's also really a great experience because you get to learn about those different strategies, but you also get to speak to different people from different departments and learn from them too. So like what's going on in the geology department or math department or communication department or history department or philosophy. And so I get to, I got to talk to different faculty um, and um, just get to understand, you know, what their disciplines are you know, doing and what they're doing in the classroom and ways we can either collaborate or learn or share um, with and from each other. It was really, really cool. So if you're thinking about it, you should definitely do it when it comes back. And um, if you're an adjunct, uh, I'll say, don't be afraid to do it as an adjunct. You should. You know, uh, try to be a part of the cohort. And um, if you're worried about the workload and things like that. uh, I didn't know when I signed up for it. I signed up because I wanted to do it. I wanted to, you know, learn new things, but there is compensation for it too. And so I feel like I know that that may help people who are on the fence because they feel like, oh, I can't give up a class to do this. Well, there's compensation for it. Um, so I know a lot of times adjuncts are, you know, as an adjunct myself, as a I guess former adjunct, <laughs> um, I, I think that uh, I would encourage you to do it, to try it. Um, it can be really helpful.
1: All right, thanks. Thanks for explaining that for our listeners, and even doing a little sales pitch there. Yes, yeah, so I, I didn't mean. I did. I
2: really did love it, so that's why. Yeah. I
1: <laughs> I, no, I think that's great, and um, you know, maybe, maybe Tanisha and I can do an episode one time just on reimagine and and what's kind of happening with that because there's a lot of ways for people to be involved,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, it's it's great that. You know, it's open to adjuncts and residential faculty. Oh, yeah, that's that's awesome. Okay, I'm going to take this in a little bit different direction right now, Um, Sophia. So I'm going to ask you, um, what is one of your favorite self-care strategies that you can imagine you're going to be using a lot over the next year? And this is something that Tanisha and I have talked about uh, in previous episodes a little bit. So.
2: Yeah. Um, so one of my favorite self-care strategies is a video (laughs) game. And I, I, for me, like I, I, I get really relaxed playing video games. Um, it's a calming thing for me in the school year. I have to cut back on how much I play because I don't have time, but, and I'll have less time, but I want to be sure to make some space for that because I'm an introvert, <laughs> like you know, like, and I mean, it's been a little bit of an adjustment, even for me to be sort of at home a lot, um even though I tend toward ooh. I'm at my house, <laughs> you know, I need to gather my energy. Like for me, even a way to do that is for me to do a task. And so I actually shared a video, on I mean a video uh, article, I believe it was from Forbes back during like, right when we first got the stay at home order about how playing games was good for you. Because it, even if you were at home and you were working and then you were done with your work, playing a game helped you felt like you were doing something because it was like a task that you could check off on your list and so there was a psychological reason why it would it's good for you so that's one of my first like uh, self-care things is to continue playing the games that I love it gives me social stuff uh, but if I don't want to be social I don't have to so I just go craft or something and. and my character's apartment and like just it gives me a task to do the second thing is not be afraid to eat the dessert when i want to dis- the dessert like i i sometimes can be like don't eat the dessert sophia but no eat the dessert <laughs> when i feel stressed man like,
0: i think okay. that's, a, that's like, a great strategy eat it. the dessert the dessert like have those chocolate. I remember. Muffins. I remember talking with someone like a while ago. Like one thing I never understood was like why people just say no, I'm pass yeah. on dessert. I'm like, why? Why pass on dessert? Dessert is like one of the chocolate muffins are one of the best parts. Of, it could be the best part of your day, right? Like honestly, like honestly, and I, and I don't think it could and and I don't think it could just be a strategy. Yeah. I think it could also be like a piece of advice, if like someone asked me, Hey, you like, what, what piece of advice that you give for me? I would say "Eat dessert. Yeah. Treat yourself and eat dessert. You have the opportunity, which, uh, which actually helps me to segue into our next question, which is uh, if you could get advice from any fictional or non-fictional person on teaching, who would you want the advice from? okay i got two <laughs> my
2: fa one of my faves yoda <laughs> who's my favorite no i love yoda <laughs> um i would totally want advice from yoda uh he's the man and um <laughs> like i mean like in the sense that he knows he's wise um And I would, you know, want to listen to someone so wise who's lived so long. You know what I mean? Like he's had such a long life. So that experience. um, So I would pick Yoda. uh, And having to teach so many Jedi, teach, you know, Luke Skywalker, like definitely Yoda. A second choice would be Tony Morrison, um, who passed away. Uh, but I love her. <laughs> um she was brilliant and amazing and full of inspiration and wisdom and um her writing it was so important to me um when I was you know um an undergrad so um I would definitely choose her, and she taught for a while, so, I, you know, I would want to hear her teaching experience. Like, um, I just really would like to sort of see um, and hear and understand, like, I guess, all of their experience and wisdom about, you know, humanity and living and teaching. <laughs> yeah. Those were my big two,
0: <laughs> and it's and I heard you mention two things with the characters, which is uh, wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know the importance of wisdom. I, I would I would hope whoever you seek advice from, fictional or non-fictional, would have a little bit of wisdom to them. <laughs> help you out, right? And, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you mentioned getting advice from. Yoda and Tony Morrison. So my next question for you is do you have any advice for anyone who is on a path similar to yours?
2: Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so if you're looking to maybe, you know, do become full-time or become residential or anything like you want to make a change, I would say don't be afraid to ask people for help, advice, Uh, things like that. Um, So that's my first uh, set of advice. I had people offer in the past. And then I was like, well, I don't want to be a bother, right? I don't want to bother people. You know what I mean? And what I found, though, is that that I wasn't bothering them. They wouldn't have offered if they didn't want to help me. And the second is that people want to see you succeed you know they want to help you attain your goal so um, if you don't be afraid to ask for help if that means reaching out to other faculty like residential faculty in your department um that you you know have rapport with don't be afraid to do that Um, my second thing is Uh, or go to the CTLE. Uh, I would not have made it as far without Polly. (laughs) Like, uh, Polly, uh, helped me in more ways than I can possibly express. You know, um, I am so grateful to her for her, all of her advice, her feedback and her help. And also don't be afraid to work together with other applicants. Like, um, uh, my friend Christine Jones, like um, she is full time in the English department, and we practiced together before uh, the pandemic hit, and we were both applying, like because it's all about like support and like encouragement and help, and so uh, her feedback helped me, um, so I wouldn't have gotten that far either, and you know without other other people's helps, uh, like uh, Karen and. And uh, Elisa and Renee, and Amanda. So they were all really helpful to me and uh, Mary. So I mean, a lot of people were helpful and supportive and gave me advice. The third thing I would say is don't fall victim to imposter syndrome. That is <laughs> that is the third thing because I think there was for so long. I, I think I also hesitated because it was like, well, I don't, I don't know if I really am I, should I do it? You know, am I, do I deserve to be here? Should I be here? You know what I mean? Is it right for me to be here? Like, don't listen to that, um, to that troll in your head. That's like, nope, you don't deserve it. Like, yes, you do. So don't fall victim to imposter syndrome and don't compare yourself to others. You can do the best that you can do who you are, that is a culmination of your experiences and ideas. Um, So don't listen to that troll that tries to disparage you or, you know, sort of tries to compare you to others. You're your own person. Um, And those are my three things I would say.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. That that is brilliant advice. I mean, if, if anybody walks away today with anything, just that advice is great. And Tanisha mm-hmm. and I have talked about imposter syndrome. We did a whole episode on it. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> I heard
2: it. <laughs> okay,
1: all right.
2: Yeah, I did. <laughs>
1: uh, I've, I've, and other podcasters have done episodes on uh, imposter syndrome too. So, um, yeah, I mean, just such good advice. And I really like the advice of working with other people who are applying. I mean, I, I like to think we have a little bit of a tight-knit group of adjuncts uh mm-hmm. at GC and, and that the adjuncts and residential faculty even work really well together. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm glad to hear that you and Christine work together and I know that I know that all the applicants were wishing each other well. You know, like yeah. It, it, that's uh,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That mm-hmm. makes me happy.
1: Mm hmm.
2: Yes, I was very happy for, you know, Lisa and Christine and um, I was very happy for anyone that made it. I was rooting for, you know, all of, um, you know, my colleagues, like because I want to I want everyone to attain their goals, you know, the so working together was Polly's idea. Um, you know, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. And Christine was like, yeah, let's do it. So I would really encourage that. it helps you put things in perspective, you know, um, and it was just nice to have that support, to know that you weren't alone going through it, you know, so yeah. <laughs>
1: So we have reached a time in uh, our episode where Tanisha and I always get to the end and ask each other what's on our radar, which is basically, you know, like, hey, what's something that's coming up that we're looking forward to? Mm -hmm. Uh, Tanisha and I wanted to include you on that and and to also include one of our regular segments here on this episode. So, what is on your radar, Sophia?
2: Um, The first, I've got Ghost of Tsushima. So it's a video game. <laughs> it's a PS4 video game. Surprise, surprise. And it's Ghost of Tsushima. It just came out on Friday. I probably won't play it for a little bit. Like Sean and I usually play games together. Uh, and for those of you that don't, Sean is my husband and he works at GCC. He is library faculty Um so we play together. <laughs> We're on a backlog right now. So Ghost of Tsushima just came out. It's a uh, action-adventure with RPG elements stealth samurai game. It's really cool. I've been watching Twitch streams of it, um, and I kind of really want to play it. Um, so I'm excited to play that. And the other thing is that I'm excited for is... Um, Uh, a show called signal it's a korean drama but it's like crime drama meets the movie frequency um i don't want to spoil it but there's a a walkie talkie that has a link to the past for um the main characters i love that show so much (laughs) it's like in my top three shows of all time and i just finished it it's on netflix um and i cried so much doing it um and there's a season two at some point although I hear it's and it's postponed so I'm just waiting for that and I don't know when it's gonna come because I need it in my life again like I loved it so much it was so well done and Sean loved it too so it was really great so those are things that are on my radar
1: <laughs> okay awesome Tanisha what's on your radar um, I have several things, but I'm
0: a. I'm kind of gonna I'm gonna go along the lines of kind of what Sophia has mentioned, which is video games. So, so just so you guys know, I'm I'm personally not a gamer. My husband is the gamer. Like he he plays video games, but there is like one. There is one game that Tanisha is all over right now, and it is called Animal Crossing. Oh yeah, I know Sophia would know. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this little game is just, it's amazing and addicting all at the same time. Just the premise of the game is that you are given an island and you build this town and this village on this island and you get to name your island. Like I gave mine a generic name, like Peaceful Island. So, you know, it's real zen and real peace. we got a bunch of trees, which I absolutely love. (laughs) it's really cool because you for the most part have the opportunity to not only build your village but you also have the opportunity to go visit other people's islands as well which is really cool it's like what sophia mentioned earlier i think it was the forbes article which talked about how video games are very helpful because it's like you're you're working on a task which is very true because every time i jump into this game i have so many different tasks like one of them is uh go pick oranges from a tree <laughs> 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 i love <it>. crossing <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's awesome. Or going fishing or the latest addition to the game is that you can actually go swimming in the ocean, which is so cool. And then you can like find little starfish and you can find little sea urchins and all this other stuff. There's this little character in there who, this dog that plays a guitar called K.K. Slider. Like it's, the great thing about Animal Crossing is that it's fun and it's also its own culture. And it's a great way to have a, I feel like a break from work When you're just looking for something fun and something else to do. So uh, Animal Crossing is one. And then there's also this show that I just started. It's been on for nine seasons, I guess. And I'm barely seeing season nine. It's called Married at First Sight. Has anybody heard of this show? Mm -mm. It's just about people. They go through this process and then um, they're selected to marry each other before they meet each other. And then they're married for eight weeks and then they, and then after the end of the eight weeks they decide whether or not they're going to stay together or they're going to get a divorce. It involves uh, guidance from a sociologist, uh, someone who's a marriage counselor, also um, someone who's a pastor and marriage counselor as well. It's a really interesting show. I, I just started watching it on Netflix, so it's it's one it's it's a really cheesy show. It's it's a show you. Can, that I, sounds it, awesome. It, it, to me, it's cheesy. It's just one of those shows you can kind of just tune out. You could just you know you could just you know tune in, tune out, and just it doesn't really require a lot of brain power is I guess what I'm trying to say. You can just watch it and see these different couples go through this journey. So. ah, cool. I may have to check it out. (laughs) No, (laughs) those, those are the, those are the two things that are on my radar.
1: Awesome. Coming up on my radar, Train to Busan, which is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. I just found out that, there's going to be um another movie coming out called train to busan peninsula oh i believe it's the same director which is um Yoon sang ho and uh train to busan was done so incredibly well um it's got a i mean it's a zombie movie i will just say that but it's got a great story, it's got really good characters, there's emotion, the characters develop relationships with each other, and it's filmed really well. Um, Just really, really good. So I have super high hopes for this next one. That is what I'm looking forward to. That's what's on my radar. So that's it. cool. And we want to thank Sophia for being our guest. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's been fun talking to you today. And of course, Tanisha and I wish you all the best at Mesa. You're not going to be that far away. So we hope we'll still get to collaborate with you on something. Yeah. um, And see each other at conferences and things like that. So... That'll be really cool. And we're just really grateful for you stopping by today and and chatting with us for a little bit.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us on Two Crops in the Pod. And we're looking forward to having you join us on our next episode. Enjoy yourselves, your time and your day.